I couldn't hear you. Let's try that again. Oh, let's try it one more time. Good evening, boys and girls. Good evening. All right, well, some of you have met my daughter Elizabeth already, and I'm not going to call her on stage. But um, I wanted to introduce the rest of my family to you just because I'm proud of them. So this is my wife, Megan. And then on the far left is our oldest daughter, Rachel, who's 14 now, and then Elizabeth, and then giggling and not looking at the camera is our daughter, Lucy. So this is our, our family. Um, and I wanted to put the picture up there, uh, first of all, because I, I love my family and I'm proud of them. And secondly, um, just to tell you that we are a Lego family. Yeah. How many people, raise your hand if you like Legos. We love, you can, you can go past the slide now, but we love Legos in our family. And one thing I've discovered over the years as we have played with Legos is that my Lego creations always come out better if I make a plan before I get started. So, you know, if you, let's say, for example, I wanted to use these blocks and make a castle. I could start with a little yellow block and then go here and then here. No? <laughs> oh, okay. So which one should I put on the bottom? Red. What should I put next? Excellent. And then, oh, okay, great, perfect, perfect. And now it actually looks like a castle, right? Yeah, there you go. Uh, perfect. And, uh, you know, when, when you buy the kits, they come, the Lego kits, they come with a lot of Legos, but what do they also come with? <laughs> An instruction booklet because, <laughs> also a box, because there's a plan and it has a lot of steps to it. You know, and the more complicated the Lego kit, the longer that plan is going to be. The more numbers are going to come out. And I've even found that when I'm building, um, you know, another kind of castle, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think about that plan. Even if I don't have instructions, I'm going to think about that plan in my mind before I build. I'm, maybe I want to go through our big Lego bin and find all of the gray blocks for the, the castle walls. And then I'll find the purple roof pieces to put on top, and then I'll find all of the, I have girls, by the way, then I'll find all of the, the princess banners and flags and things to put, to put on the walls of the castle, and then I've built a full castle. And it's not just Legos that we need a plan for. We also need, we also need a plan for all kinds of things in life. Let's say we're going to plan a party, like a luau. We, you know, you want to make a plan. You want to come up with a list of games to play at the party. You're going to come up with music for the party. You're going to come up with your different outfits and attire to wear to the party. You make a plan. Some of your parents probably every week make a meal plan. Have you ever done that with mom and dad? And you then you make a grocery list. Off of, here's the meals we're going to eat this week. Then here's our grocery list and what we need to go to the grocery store or order from online or pick up to be delivered, whatever, uh, to go and get our groceries for the week so that we can eat. And your teacher, some of you are going back to school in a few weeks. I'm sorry to be a bearer of bad news. But do your teachers just get up and teach whatever comes to their mind? 
please say no. Right. No, they make a plan. They make out a lesson plan. Well, tonight, we're going to learn from the Bible about the very best plan, God's plan for our world, past, present, and future. Here's what we're going to learn. We're going to learn that God has a plan. Can you say that back to me? God has a plan, and his plans are always the very best plans. So let's say that together. His plans are always the best plans. Say that. His plans are always best. Excellent job. Well, tonight and tomorrow night, we're going to learn about God's plan, specifically in the book of Daniel. So here's how you, if you have your Bibles, here's how you find the book of Daniel. It's right here. You open to the center, and sometimes you get to Psalms, and depending on your Bible, sometimes you get to like Isaiah or Jeremiah, but whichever one you turn right, turn, flip pages to the right, and eventually you'll get to Daniel. It goes Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and then the book of Daniel. And tonight we're going to look at Daniel chapter 2. But a little bit of background before we talk about that. You see, you'll remember, you know this, boys and girls, because we've been learning about it in the morning. That God's people in the nation of Judah worshipped the one true and living God some of the time. And some of the time, they turned away from the one true and living God and worshipped idols like Baal and Ashtoreth and Molech. And God promised the people of Judah that they would be punished for their idolatry. And this morning, we heard the story of King Josiah and how when King Josiah found God's word in the temple, he repented, he turned away from his sin, and God he sent messengers to the prophet Huldah, and the prophet Huldah said to him, you will still be punished. The nation of Judah will still be punished. They'll still go into exile, but God has forgiven you. And because God forgave King Josiah, the Assyrians did not conquer Judah. But after Josiah died, more bad kings came, and God sent, instead of the Assyrians, he sent the Babylonians. And the Babylonians conquered the people of Judah, and they took all of the young men and women to Judah and made them slaves. And the king, the king of Babylon's name was Nebuchadnezzar. That guy. Can we say his name together? Nebuchadnezzar. That was a little bit weak. Let's try it one more time. Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar ruled over all of Babylon. And he wanted, now listen, he wanted the very best of all of the young men of Judah to work just for him. And so King Nebuchadnezzar picked out the very best Judean youths to work for him in the palace. He looked for men who were strong and smart and quick learners and qualified to work for the king. Here's what Daniel chapter 1 verse 4 says. He said he looked for young men without 
any physical defect, handsome men, showing aptitude, that means they were smart, for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. These young men learned the language and the literature of Babylon. They learned all of Babylon's story. They learned about all of the great things King Nebuchadnezzar had built, his hanging gardens, his beautiful palaces, all of the nations they had conquered. They learned all of the stories about the Babylonian gods, Marduk, and all of the gods that, that Nebuchadnezzar worshipped. And, and King Nebuchadnezzar said, I want you to become a Babylonian. Well, Daniel and three of his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, who sometimes we know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were among those youth that King Nebuchadnezzar took into his palace. And over the next couple of nights, we're going to learn about how their lives changed when they lived in Babylon. And it all begins with a dream. One night, King Nebuchadnezzar went to bed. And I don't know if he ate something funny or what happened, but he had a really, really bad dream. In fact, God sent this dream to him. And it terrified him. Here's what the Bible says. Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled, and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. And they came in, and they stood before the king, and he said to them, I've had a dream, and it troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, Oh, king, king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it for you. Then the king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. Unless you tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut in pieces and your house turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So, tell me the dream and interpret it for me. So, now look, King Nebuchadnezzar isn't a totally bad guy, okay? If you're the greatest ruler in the world and you have a terrible dream that frightens you, calling all of your best advisors to give you some counsel and help you through the situation is not bad public policy. This is a good idea. He knew that this dream meant something. And he wanted to know what it meant. But King Nebuchadnezzar was just the slightest bit delusional. You see, he wanted his astrologers and magicians and enchanters and sorcerers to give him not just an interpretation of the dream. He wanted them to read his mind and tell him what he had dreamed. Do you think they were able to do that? No, 
No, no man can read another person's mind. He can know what was going on through Nebuchadnezzar's head. And so the astrologers came back to King Nebuchadnezzar and they said, Oh, king, live forever. Tell us the dream and we'll tell you the interpretation. You see, for the Babylonians, dream interpretation was something they were really, really good at. They loved it even today. In the British Museum, we have a book called The Book of Dreams from the ancient Babylonian Empire. And it tells all kinds of things that dreams might mean. If you're sitting on top of a mountain in your dream, then you're going to be a great ruler. If you're driving your chariot and your chariot runs out of control, then you must be battling anxiety. Um, if you um, are falling in your dream, you're probably having relationship issues, according to the book of, of dreams. So, you know, <laughs> so King Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar knew that these guys already had ways, at least that they pretended, to tell him what dreams meant. But he thought this dream, I think this dream is serious. And so to know that you're really able to do this, oh magicians, if you're really magic, I want you to not just tell me what my dream means after I tell you. I want you to actually read my mind and tell me the dream. What do you think the enchanters and the magicians and the sorcerers, all of his advisors, what do you think they said? They said, we can't. And how do you think King Nebuchadnezzar responded? He was calm, right? That's cool. That's cool. He was furious. Furious. His face turned red. I can't imagine steam coming out of his ears. And he, he screamed at them. He said, unless you do, I will chop you limb from limb. He's going to exterminate all of his best advisors. Kill them all and turn your houses into piles of rubble. Right about this point, um, someone runs and gets Daniel. Um, but before we get there, I, I, I want to ask this question. Why do you think King Nebuchadnezzar got mad? Why do you think? Well, it, yes, they didn't do what he said. But let me explain it this way. He had a plan. And his plan didn't turn out the way he thought that plan would turn out. And it made him angry. So, what did we learn at the beginning? God has a plan, and his plans are the very best plans. Raise your hand. You don't have to tell me, but raise your hand. Do you ever get angry? Yeah. Well, so, think about this. Think about you're playing with that Lego kit. You're in your room, and you're building a nice, I don't know, uh, Millennium Falcon with your, with your Legos or a, a beautiful princess castle with your Legos, and your little brother or sister comes into the room. No, it doesn't wreck it. No, I mean, 
he or she is not being in too intentional me. But, but they take the most important piece and they stuff it in their pocket and they run away. How do you feel in that moment? Furious. Furious. Why? Because you had a plan for your day. But your plan isn't working out. Moms and dads. You ever sat down in the evening to watch your favorite show on television? You turn on the, I'm talking to the moms and dads, not the kids. And you, you turn on the television and you realize it's still on your kids program. And you begin to look for the remote and it's just not there. It cannot be found. A child has hidden it somewhere. How do you feel? Oh, goodness. The temperature begins to rise. You can feel the frustration coming up. Why? Because you had a plan. I'm going to watch the Braves tonight. And my plan is just not working out the way that I planned it. And we can multiply the examples. Oftentimes, anger is a way that you can tell that your plans and God's plans might be slightly different. It reveals to you that there's something going on in your heart, something you want that's different than what God wants in that moment. And old King Nebuchadnezzar, he did not handle it well when his plans were different from God's plans. And so the advisors ran to Daniel. As soon as Daniel found out what King Nebuchadnezzar had planned, he was completely different. He did not, um, he did not get angry. He, he didn't say, that's not fair, even though it wasn't. He humbled himself. He didn't complain. The Bible actually says that God in that moment gave him wisdom and tact. And so instead of complaining, instead of getting angry, he simply went to King Nebuchadnezzar, and he politely asked the king to give him some time. You see, Daniel knew that he was only a man. He was not a mind reader. He couldn't read the king's mind. But he also knew God. He knew the God who knows the minds of men. So Daniel humbled himself before Nebuchadnezzar, and then he humbled himself before God. He left the king's palace. He immediately went to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Daniel asked his friends to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. Then Daniel went home and he began to pray to God too. And in the middle of the night, God did a miracle. God revealed to Daniel what Nebuchadnezzar had been dreaming about. He gave the young prophet wisdom to interpret the dream. God told Daniel the king's dream, and he told Daniel what it meant, too. He gave them the dream and the interpretation. And Daniel was so happy. Immediately, right away, right there, he started praising God. Verse 19 says, During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said... 
Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You've given me wisdom and power. You've made known to me what we ask of you. You've made known to us the dreams of the king. Then Daniel immediately ran to King Nebuchadnezzar's throne room. And what do you think he did? He started bragging, right? I'm the best. I know the dream and its interpretation. You think he did that? No, he didn't brag about himself. He did brag, though. He bragged on God. In fact, the word praise in ancient Hebrew, is can, that same word can be used to talk about bragging about yourself. Like someone who, who scores a soccer goal and says, I'm the man. It's, it can be used for bragging about yourself or bragging about someone else. And Daniel, in that moment, he praised. He said hallelujah and praised God. This is what it says. Daniel said to King Nebuchadnezzar, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. Now, here's the crazy dream. Now, secret, it's crazy. It's a crazy dream. Daniel told King Nebuchadnezzar, while you were sleeping, you had a vision of an enormous, dazzling statue shaped like a man. The head of that statue was made of gold. Its chest and arms were made of silver. Its belly and thighs were made of bronze. Its legs were made of iron. And its feet were made of iron and baked clay. The statue was smashed into very tiny pieces by a rock. One that wasn't cut from human hands, one that started out tiny and then grew larger and larger and larger until it filled the whole earth. That's quite a dream. It might scare me if I had that dream. Then Daniel went on to give the interpretation of the dream. He says, O King Nebuchadnezzar, here's what the dream means. First of all, King Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head of gold. Your kingdom is represented by that gold head. And after you, there will be another kingdom coming, the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians, that will not be as great as yours. It'll be like that chest and arms that are made of silver. And then a kingdom will come after that. It'll be a strong kingdom, but it won't, the kingdom of Alexander the Great, the kingdom of Greece, the bronze torso. Am I getting these right? I'm going to read them real quick. Yes. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, one that is strong as iron. And who came after the Greeks? Does anyone know? Rome. That's right. The Romans will come. They will be as strong as iron. And at first, they'll be like solid iron. But then the Roman kingdom will be divided, and there will be infighting against itself, and it will be like iron mixed 
with clay. And in the time of the Romans, something amazing will happen. You see, if you hadn't heard the dream already, and I, I gave you the choice, I came up just with a bunch of rocks. And I had one rock that was made out of gold, and one rock that was made out of silver, and one rock that was made out of bronze, and one really strong rock made out of iron, and then another rock that was just a stone from, in, from a river. Which one would you choose? The gold. But God is going to do something in the time of the Roman Empire that is completely unexpected, completely upside down, completely topsy-turvy. And that is he is sending a new king, a baby king, who would be born in Bethlehem. It's Jesus. And Jesus' kingdom that began then was a different kingdom. The kind of kingdom that no one expected. The kind of kingdom that says to gain your life, you don't gain possessions, you have to lose your life. The kind of kingdom that says the greatest person in my kingdom will not be the one who looks the greatest, who sits on the throne, who gets angry when he has bad dreams, but the one who will be a servant. One who will serve the others. And Jesus' kingdom would grow. And it would fill the entire world. O king, live forever. That is the interpretation of your dream. It's a beautiful dream. And it's good news for us when our plans are frustrated. It's good news for us when our plans are frustrated. We get angry when our plan is different than God's plan. But we can always remember that God's plan is best. Say the main point with me again. God has a plan. And God's plans are always the best plans. Because here's the truth, boys and girls, and moms and dads. One day... There will be things that come into your life that are more important than Lego towers. And you'll make plans, sometimes about, about jobs or about your family. And sometimes those plans will go really well. But sometimes because this is a broken world, those plans will not work out. And anytime our plans start to fail, anytime our plans get frustrated, we're really tempted we're really tempted to get angry, but the good news is that you have a king who is a better king than any of the nations in history, past, present, or future. A king who rules over all of history, a king whose plans never get frustrated, a king whose plans you can always trust. And even better news than that, He's a king whose plan was to die for your sins so that you might have salvation in him. He loves you enough to give himself for you. Even in the midst of evil, like being taken into exile, God's plans, his kingdom, and his purpose is better than anything we could dream up. You see, even when we're frustrated, Jesus isn't. His kingdom never gets frustrated. 
So we can trust him with our plans. We can trust him with our dreams. Even when our dreams don't turn out the way we expected them to, we can rest and trust that God's plan for our life is bigger than we can understand. This is what uh, Daniel said to King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of the dream. He said, the great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy. That Jesus is always true and trustworthy. We can trust him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for including us in your plan. Give us hopes and dreams that aren't just about ourselves, but are directed to your kingdom purposes. Thank you for allowing us to dream and be creative and even build Lego towers. Thank, but thank you most of all for your salvation plan. And bless us as we consider it over this week. In Christ's name, amen. And quietly, we're going to continue to sing in this incredible plan that God has for us. The incredible plan that has saved our souls through the blood of Christ. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into